Hello, I'm Eric Charbro of GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. Today, I welcome Bob Lentz. Lentz spent more than three decades in federal service. His last job was as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Cyber, Identity, and Information Assurance, from which he retired from last fall. Today, he's president of his own consultancy, Cybersecurity Strategies. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to be with you today. A year ago, you characterized 2009 as the tipping point, saying the reality is the bad guys are going to be in our networks, and officials have to figure out how the best way to detect and contain the threats. How has the situation changed in the past year? Well, the situation really hasn't changed that much, except I think awareness at the leadership level is much higher. I think leaders in many of the key sectors are more sensitive to the cyber threat, but in reality, there's only a small percentage that are really walking the talk. Not very many really understand it at a very sophisticated level, and unfortunately, we really aren't galvanized around putting in place the right architectures, the right standards, the right technologies, and as we call it in the, in the Department of Defense when I was there, you know, tactic techniques and procedures to be able to deal with it. We're just limping along both in government and also outside government since I last made that point in 09. Why do you suspect that there are people who talk the talk but they don't necessarily walk the talk? Well, I think it's a combination of problems. I think the first one, of course, is resources. The reality is is that people are still hoping that we can accomplish good information assurance on the cheap with relatively, in some cases, in some of the better companies, modest amounts of money, and in a lot of other companies and enterprises, a small amount of money. They still look at it as a purely IT problem and not really a problem that really can very easily take over the entire operation of a company or an enterprise, so it really needs to be much bigger than the way it's being treated. I think the second reason is, is governance. It is still problematic that people that are in the security line of business or the cybersecurity field are not really, in most cases, at the boardroom. They're not sitting beside the CEOs and the chief financial officers, I'm going back to that first point. And as a result, being not at the boardroom, they really are not involved in the day-to-day decision-making, both strategically and tactically. And in lacking that visibility and influence of the boardroom, there is a inconsistency in in terms of overall governance. I was covering a hearing last week in Congress in which uh, Greg Wilshison, who covers IT security issues for the GAO and others, were saying that something like 90% of IT could be secured if people just follow processes. Now, people at the hearing, and I don't think Wilshison would disagree, that there is still need for additional funding, but a lot could be done that isn't being done. Do you agree with that? No, I don't completely agree to that. I do agree with the point that we can do a lot more if we just follow policies and processes. If he really, when he says processes, he really means policies to a large degree. I, I think we can accomplish a lot. But as we've said from the beginning, a good information assurance cybersecurity strategy is one that has to be done via technology, via policies, good people education training strategies, and good operations and slash processes. So all of those have to work together. You can't do one without the other. I always go back to the analogy. You know, I think cybersecurity is very much like the automotive industry in its evolution. I think you could almost write a parallel column just on its evolution. And the only difference is, is the automotive industry had decades to deal with the kind of safety issues that were plaguing the industry in the 60s and 70s. You know, we don't have that time period because technology and the threat is moving 10 times faster, if not 100 times faster. The reality is, going back to your point, if we just had good policies 
people put on their seat belts and people follow the speed limit and people stop at intersections and people pay attention to turning on their signals and all these good safety features. Yeah, we'd all have a lower accident rate and a lower fatality rate, but that still wouldn't cure the problem. You need to put better technologies in place, in many cases, to take the human out of it because you have to move faster. You have to act quicker. So it's not just strictly implementing policies and procedures. And I think that sometimes gives people false hope. You can go ahead and have better cybersecurity just by following existing policies. You need to invest in new technologies. At the same time, you need to invest in training people and getting that education pipeline going. Okay, so for cybersecurity, what are the technologies and where should the money be spent? Like the old architectural saying of defense and depth, one of the, the architectural nuances that we started to adopt in DOD while I was still there is it's a play on that a little bit. We call it defense and breadth, which is really implementing a wide range of technologies and techniques and process and policy improvements across all aspects of the architecture. To one degree, we continue to attack the problem as if the bad guys, you know, we can prevent them from getting in completely. The reality is that's not the case anymore. We have to realize that preventing the bad guys from getting in is an impossible dream. So we have to be able to come up with a dynamic defense capability and architecture. And we have to implement these tools and technologies to not only have better situational awareness in a much quicker fashion, much further out in the network, you have to have that situational understanding so you can be proactive both in terms of understanding where attacks are coming from and from understanding when attacks are occurring inside the network and deal with them accordingly. To include, and a very important part, is containment of those attacks. So it's absolutely critical that we continue to invest in the latest technologies to give us that advanced warning and the advanced persistence on the network to be able to contain and in some cases eradicate these threats and these vulnerabilities before they occur. The other important nuance, which is a very, very important one, is that we continue to focus on the network layer when, in fact, there's so much more that we can do in a proactive fashion, in a preventative fashion, just by doing good software assurance. One of the things that we've always talked about, again, to that point of not walking the talk, about good application security from the beginning, good code reviews and good security at the code level, we just are not doing that. We've decentralized that responsibility so much that there's so much customization going on, even with critical missions, that as a result, we really don't have a solid foundation at all for which you add a lot of these other technologies on at the network layer, but the reality is your foundation as weak as can be, and or it makes it awful difficult to be able to fight that war just at the network layer. So I think there needs to be a lot more emphasis at the application level on top of putting those other techniques I was talking about up and down the, as we call it, the ISO stack from the physical network layer all the way up to the application level and working up and down. And you have to be able to make all those capabilities dynamic in real time. You were talking about customization, and it sounded as if you felt that may not be a good thing when it comes to information security. Can you explain that? What frequently happens is when software is produced, many people are under the view that when software comes into an enterprise, that first of all, you've got to make sure that software coming in is, in fact, meeting the security standards that you're looking for. But what ends up happening is after software is, is introduced into an enterprise, it almost immediately begins to get customized by the user. And especially over the life cycle of a piece of software, it's people that are customizing it frequently don't know what they're doing. And they sometimes contract out to third parties to do that customization. 
and they aren't held to a certain standard, and they oftentimes don't know what they're doing. And so what ends up happening is you continue to then create more problems. You lose control of the software even more than when you first had it. And as a result, you now have a situation where you've got a leaky ship on your hands with lots of vulnerabilities that can be sources of, of attack vectors for the adversaries. You have to be able to start by implementing very, very good, secure software from the beginning with a rigorous process, and then you have to follow that up by implementing these cybersecurity architectures that are the most advanced that we know about today, and it will be constantly changing and be modified as we understand the threat vectors. And then those things working together with a edu- well-educated and well-trained workforce can make a difference. The answer is not necessarily not to customize, but to have processes in place to assure that safe cybersecurity is being implemented as these applications are modified? That's right. As they're being fielded and as they're being modified, you have to make sure you have a rigorous process that all the checks and balances are being put in place to make sure it's still meeting those security standards that you hopefully put in place right from the beginning. And the cost in that is having sufficient people along the way to assure that's what's happening, in addition to, I guess, training people to do it. It's a combination of training people to do it. It's a combination of having the right processes. You could have third-party resources available to do that as long as those third-party resources are certified and, and are held accountable. And you have to have the most advanced technique to be able to do that. You know, the state of the art in this area is improving every day, just like it is in the other areas of cybersecurity. And you have to make sure that you're using as, as automated techniques as possible because, you know, obviously the challenge is it costs money and it costs time. And none of us have that in uh, complete availability. So you have to implement it as smartly as you possibly can. But it has to be done. And that's why I'm a big supporter when I was in DOD and, you know, we put in a three-tiered process dealing with mission-critical systems and applications and services, and, and mission essential was the second tier, and then administrative mission support was the third tier. And you have to, at minimum, even though it's important to cover all those areas because the adversaries will seek to exploit the lower level to get to the higher level, but at minimum, you have to make sure you lock down the upper tier or you're just asking yourself for greater risk and trouble. Thank you, Bob. Okay, great, Eric. Nice talking to you. I've been speaking with Bob Lynch, the former Assistant Defense Secretary for Cyber Identity and Information Insurance for GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.